Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. Today on the panel, we just have myself <laughs> and our special guest. Every guest we have a special is uh, Qiu Hua. Uh, hopefully, I said that properly. Otherwise known as Q, as he told me, you can call him Q. It's probably easier for everybody at home. He is a, I guess you could say, software engineer. He used to be based out of China. Now he escaped to Canada. How are you? Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you here. Yeah, my name is Q. Yeah, I'm a back-end software developer. Yeah, I'm currently in Canada. So when did you just move to Canada? That's a pretty recent development, right? Oh, uh, yes. Just um, one month ago. Yes. How did you, I mean, you just, you were in China before that or? Uh, yes. For the past 39 years, I was in China. So you're just escaping all the fun in China right now, right? You don't wish you can go back? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, for me, I think uh, it's kind of a lifestyle. I try to move around all the time. When inside China, I move to uh, one, from one city to another all the time. Maybe uh, every four years or, or so, I would to, uh, try to reset. I would to try to learn something new, move to a new place. And now I think it's time to carry on to another country or so. So it's quite interesting. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So have you already started working or like you, you must have gotten a job and, and then they moved you out there and then, you know, what what's the, the role exactly? Currently, I'm just visiting Canada. Actually, um, I have been working for a U.S. company for the last four years, but remotely from China. I'm still working for this company and they're sponsoring me to move to another country. Oh, that's nice. Are we allowed to know which company this is or that's a secret? Of course. It's uh, a U.S. company and uh, the technical team is, um, most of the technical team is uh, based in Mexico, actually. So the business is about the e-commerce in Latin America. And uh, the, the, <laughs> the name is Zubla. It's in Spanish, it means go up. So uh, I, may I introduce the company? Uh, I mean, yeah, please, please. That's what we're, I just asked you. Is you could tell us, you know, name of the company and what they do and what you're going to be doing. Okay. Uh, the, the company name is Zubli. That means uh, go up. It means that uh, for e-commerce, we are giving the ability to the uh, brands like uh, uh, Walmart and Shodari, uh, the local brands. They have stores and they have online businesses to accept the, the orders from all their users. However, they um, they may have or may not have some ability to uh, 
to uh, give you the, to deliver or to pick up to uh, category. There's a lot of human resources needed to do the e-commerce because we know um, it's not that simple. You order something and someone just give you that product, right? There must be something in the middle. There'll be human or something else to deliver things, to deliver that product to you. So um, it's quite expensive to maintain such a big team to do that thing. And uh, we as a company to, uh, is to provide such uh, ability to any company that interested in online e-commerce. So uh, currently, our main focus is in Latin America. The most of the in, is in Mexico. Uh, okay, that's pretty cool. But, wait, but you guys are also selling to bigger brands, right? You, from what I remember in your presentation. Uh-huh. Yes, they are supermarkets local, locally. Okay, because because we're here to talk about your article, or sorry, your video, your presentation for Elixir Australia, I believe, about your business logic and your examples are talking about something also with e-commerce, right? Or something about delivering for specific brands like Walmart? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, it's the same yeah. job, right? Same yeah, the same. Right, right. Okay, but you're but okay. So, but for those brands, you're you're doing stuff only in the in the space of uh, groceries, right? Or did I misunderstand? Yeah, yeah. The example uh, was in grocery. It's quite a typical scenario for us. So I have been uh, in the industry of e-commerce for quite a few years, I guess maybe more than eight years. Uh, the business is quite complex in this industry. Let's say uh, if you run an online bookstore, you have to do a lot of promotions, maybe. So uh, each promotion can be uh, slightly different. So uh, and uh, the business rules will change if you uh, you're targeting some specific uh, group of users. So you you need to uh, um, have some diff- different configurations for different uh, contexts. The context may um, involve the position of the user, the device of the user, the current time, and uh, uh, the product itself. Okay. But I want to kind of go back to your presentation, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically, it's about, no, I forgot the title. What was the title again? It was about extracting your business logic, right? Yes, yes. Managing business rules in Alexa applications. Okay. And how how do you usually recommend that people do something like that? How do they actually manage their business rules within Elixir? I mean, I think, yeah, one of the ways you could do that is using some pattern matching, right? For like kind of like a state machine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I don't know how other people do, but I do have some um, different approaches. Yeah, the basically, the simplest thing is just have them in, in code and write some pattern matching against it. And uh, also we can move the configurations to some center database. But the problem is that how can we represent those rules? Maybe you can uh, put them in the format of JSON or XML. That's I know a lot of people are doing like this. And also what we tried is to try to have those configuration as the code. And uh, imagine that if you have a rule and that, that rule can be the uh, Elixir module in your application, what we uh, want to wanted to try. So, how do you usually recommend people do it? Is with JSON, or, or how do you usually recommend people can configure these kind of rules? Yeah, I don't think JSON or XML is a wrong way to do because at the end of the day, we have to define what is the rule and how to represent the rule. As long as we can clearly define the rules 
and we can um, write them in a readable way and all a manageable way. Manageable way we can use whatever we want. And I had an experience in my last job using JSON. Yeah, just just some JavaScript to describe the rules, and uh, it worked well. Yeah, I, that's it. For me, that is the motivation I uh, tried in Elixir because I I see um I saw it works and I I wanted to try to uh, bring to bring it to another level using uh, Elixir because Elixir was was make what makes makes Elixir different is that we can combine it to Elixir code. That's the uh, most exciting thing I cannot see in JSON or XML. What do you exactly mean by that? I mean, because, so, is it, yeah, I'm trying to understand what you mean by that exactly. Can you explain a little bit more? Yeah, we're going to go through some implementation details. Let's say if we have the uh, rules described in a JSON, so what we're we going to do is to, uh, first of all, in the application, if we want to use the rule, we first need to get it from someplace, maybe the database, and we, uh, then typically we may cache it, use ETS or Redis or, or uh, memory cache, something like that, to avoid uh, getting it again and again. And then in our application, we run some engine to uh, run this rule. Maybe we can uh, have the engine to Evaluated the JSON and check some configuration, get the configuration from the JSON body, and then have some pattern matching or if else to hand, handle the uh, the context, to handle the business. Like uh, now, I have a product, I have such uh, such type of user, and I have at this moment this pro promotion rate. Now I have to calculate the, the output. Let's say the uh, the price of the product, right? So we have to write such such code to handle the the JSON itself. So there must be two pieces of things. First, your configuration, the JSON. Then the code to pass and handle apply these those rules, right? Two parts. But if we treat the configuration as code, let's say we treated the uh, the function as a function itself. So what we want to do is to receive and context and to compute um, a price ultimately. Um, we can treat it as a function. So we receive everything. We receive the context. We receive the product, the user type, and the date. And then we return a, a number. That's the price. Okay. So uh, um, so this is a kind of function. What if I store this function in my database? And when it changes, I push back. To the application and replace the function in my service, right? In my uh, Elixir module, is that possible? If if yes, then we can uh, we can avoid having two pieces of the, the a part of it. Two pieces. One is the configuration. One is the function. Actually, we, we can have only one function. That will be simpler. So you're saying that you can read the configuration and on. Even during the runtime, you actually can rewrite your code to to match in case configuration changes, and you're writing yeah. like straight code. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, it's like uh, uh, imagine we all we are all familiar with the concept of hot load hot code loading in for the mobile app, right? Uh, I know some app 
in some iOS app, and they submit it to App Store. But if they need to hot fix something, they uh, they usually there is one approach that you can uh, push through some hot fix, re- hot reloading. You push the function from the server to the mobile apps. So without uh, uh, resubmitting the app in the App Store again. So uh, it's it's kind of a hot re- replacing the some of your modules. So the uh, the same the same um, practice applies to server side too. We can replace some of the Elixir functions or modules. Yeah, just from a remote century service. Okay, so you would have some kind of way to load new configuration in that would get parsed and create the code that would. So your configuration would generate would cause something to would trigger something to generate a new module. That module would be in charge of the permissions and configuration or whatever you want it to be. And then you'd have hot code reload and that would refix it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. Makes sense. Uh, the only tricky part is to make sure that you don't, yeah, generate a bunch of new atoms and other kinds of crazy stuff, right? I mean, there must be some dangers when you're doing something like this, right? Yes, yes. Uh, the security is always a concern. So to to enable this, we have to be very careful. So first thing is that uh, this is this configuration come coming from your end user or just from the developers. So if if from the end end user, that's quite dangerous. And if uh, that is from our own developers, can be uh, slightly better, right? But we can still, we are not able to make sure that everyone is doing the right thing. So uh, to allow that and uh, reduce the risk, uh, I introduced some limitation or constraints in the library. We are just to have to have some kind of sandbox to run the codes. So um, yeah, there will be some security checks against the code and uh, do a, a basic wrapping around the code to make sure that it can be uh, not just uh, not breaking the, the system. For example, by default, uh, you can't send uh, messages to any other process and you can't not cause some dangerous kernel functions like exit or halt. So uh, there are some limitations. Um, that's quite simple. And also we can uh, add some limitations when to executed functions, like uh, you can control the memory usage and you can control the reduction, which is reflected the CPU usage. So uh, yeah, we can have some basic uh, security uh, checking around it, making it uh, more Usable, but still, yeah, there are risks. Like as you said, if someone uh, generated tons of atoms, it yeah, that would definitely break the merge uh, machine. Yeah, I was just looking at this. I didn't know you wrote a, a whole client about this. Okay, so this formula client was this written? I mean, is this actually being used in production right now, or this is just more of an idea? It has been in production for quite a, a, a time, like guess one year. Yeah, I'm slowly. I'm slowly moving forward. At the beginning, it's uh, only uh, formula call, which is a, the only concept of the uh, com- running running the code, uh, adding some security checks, as I said, and then I have formula server and the formula client to have the configurations configured in the server side and had having client side to read and watch the changes of the configurations, then 
recompiled to Elixir code. So, uh, um, it has not done, been done all of them yet, but the core is quite stable and the, the client is quite stable. We have used it in production for, I think, uh, half a year, but the server is quite a very early stage. It's like uh, still a proof of concept. We are still having a lot of bullets on the plan. Um, hopefully we will release uh, a version this year, I guess. Okay. So the name of this library is called Formular, right? And yes. I see that there's two packages, right? There's Formular and there's Formular Client. And so yeah. I did see, I believe, Formular Client, you have to use Formular. So I'm just trying to understand when would I want to use just Formular versus Formular Client? Like how, how do they actually work with each other? Um, there will be three parts. The core is in charge of running the code and compiling the code, the string code into Elixir modules. And the formula server and the formula client, they work uh, together. Um, server is in charge of managing the configurations. They ha- it has its own domain. So uh, to manage the uh, configuration, you have to do some basic things like author authentication, authorization, and the versioning, the rollback, and uh, have some uh, editors and things like that. The clients in the other way lives in the uh, application, in, in your own application. It connects to the server, fetch all the configurations, and then watch if there are changes. And uh, when there, whenever there are changes, uh, the code, string code will be compiled into Alexa code. So um, it will use the formula core to compile and run the code. So yeah, that's how they work together. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. And then I think you're using Phoenix channels, right, to connect across, is that right? Yes, exactly. It's very easy to uh, set up and use. Um, I just did, um, finished that one feature yesterday. I, I wrote, wrote some testing using Phoenix channel and it, it is very, very easy to set up independently in the testing environment. It's like just a one, I guess, seven, 70 lines of code. You have your server running. It's very functional. It's very easy to run a Phoenix channel server. Okay, interesting. And you're just using code eval string, code eval quoted for basically the, the core of your formula, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one approach, the beginning. Yeah, it works. However, uh, the performance... There, there are some penalty on performance. Let's say uh, you have a module, you you have one module uh, with a simple function, and just the return use a, a basic result. Let's say a function accepts uh, some parameter and then return something else. Very simple, right? And then you have another version of this function, but in the string format, you run it uh, with uh, evil code.evil to evolve, right? So uh, how is the difference? What is the difference between performance of both? The answer is that, uh, sorry, I forgot. I, I think I need to check the the uh, benchmark again. I did some benchmark and guess it's my five times, five times, five times the difference. But I, I, I need to make sure of that. Yeah, I think I talked that in the video. Uh, there's a benchmark I did. 
Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Okay. But the the formula server is, uh, there's no package for that one directly, right? We have to kind of put that together ourselves. We want to actually use this package or am I misunderstanding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. At this moment, uh, the formula client package, although it has been published, but it's not usable because we have not released the formula server. It must be uh, working together with the server. So it cannot run independently. So, yeah, the plan is to add some basic authentication functions to server and publish it. Are you guys planning to offer this as a service or are you just trying to help out the community and give some give something back? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's quite... Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure about what is the best approach. For me, I, I took this project as the part of the... Uh, Companies open source repo. We have we we set up another organization apart from the uh, the company in GitHub, and we call it the Suplay OSS. That means Suplay open source, and we put that the project into uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, we have put the form some project in or under that organization. However. And the complexity of Formula Server that it requires some some levels of abstracting. It involves uh, some some kind of deploying to the infrastructure and some kind of user authentication. Those are quite uh, hard at this moment to to have them extracted from the original level, right? Uh, if you have a product server running and you want to uh, open source it, you have to extract uh, those things from the original level and you have to, or you have to uh, design it at the beginning. Um, there are two levels of things. One is the uh, open source project and the other is that you are going to use your own open source product and you have to add that layer of customizing, customization, right? So uh, that will take some additional time. We are using the second approach and at this moment, this moment uh, we uh, have a basic core, and we slowly add uh, the uh, functions we need only to that onto it. So it, it quite quite slow than uh, we expected, but it's uh, slowly moving. Okay. Yeah, this is looking pretty interesting. I can imagine how interesting and useful this would be to do. And I mean, it would be nice. Like I can imagine how many like business people in the office who suddenly decide to change their mind about how things should be done for certain things. And they would love to have this kind of tool to 
reconfigure the system on their whim. Oh, I want to do it this way. And then the next second they say, oh, I want to do it that way. I changed my mind. Yes, yes. For us to keep doing this and testing and making sure it's working okay, it'd be nice if we could give them this kind of tool. But then I can only imagine the ways they'd find to break it. Right, right. Exactly. And there's another interesting scenario. That is, uh, someone will uh, expect um, something. This rule, I need it to uh, come online at the uh, uh, tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. So uh, either you can uh, get up 9 o'clock to apply those changes manually, or you can uh, write something in the code to have it uh, apply online at that certain point of time, right? So if we can have, have it supportable in the formula server, yeah, that is quite easy to approach. You mean like time-based configuration? Yes. It's quite common in some e-commerce scenarios. Yeah, because uh, some promotions will start at a certain time. Yes, but here's the uh, the tricky part, right? I don't, I'm pretty sure Canada still does this, but of course U.S. is still doing this in most places, which is the daylight savings time, right? And if you have a central e-commerce application that needs to do central, that needs to do this kind of stuff, that could be a, a tricky thing, right? Because, yeah, I mean, you can only reload the modules at one time, right? So if there's a, a time change in some places and not a time change in others, then that could be very difficult to handle, no? Oh, sorry, I didn't get your question. You mean that the, the different time in different server Oh, what kind? I'm thinking more like, let's say that you're you're a shop that has international customers, but you're not that big that you need to have servers all over the world. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have one cluster in one area, right? Yeah, and that can be done, right? I mean, you can you can be big enough that you have customers of the world, but not that big that you don't need many data data centers, right? Right. And so, if you decide, okay, I want this configuration to change at 8 a.m. local time for everybody. You cannot do something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you can, but you have to write it very, very particular, right? For this kind of time-based changing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's quite a rare scenario for me because um, to me, the local time is not trustable at, at any scenario. So that means that the user may change their local time and to, to get some different configuration. So we have to configure the time on the server side, right? If we have, let's say, as you said, we have some different countries of user, but they need to change their configurations locally according to their local time. And what we what we will do, I think, is more like uh, have some configuration reading their lo- their time zone, and uh, yeah, have those uh, rules with time zone and the t- the location of the user in mind. So yeah, that's a slightly complex, uh, slightly diff- uh, complex than the original, but still, yeah, it's manageable. Now, is there any issues you can see with your solution? I mean, obviously, we discussed that there could be some security vulnerabilities. I mean, there, there definitely could be bugs, right, if you try to compile your, your code. Is there any uh, other issues that you've found or that you're trying to work around right now? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. After having the running in production, we do have some issues with it. There were several cases about uh, breaking the existing system. So if uh, somebody wrote something in the code, it works for the new code of version, new version of code. But however, if it requires some input parameters, which is not provided by the older version of code, right? That's about the time 
So it will uh, erase some exception because yeah, it is the new version of configuration is not compatible with the old version of code. So that's quite an issue. Now, I think that can be tackled with some uh, approaches to uh, to check the code against the, uh, I mean, check the uh, configuration against the code. We can run the, the configuration in the old code version of code and to see how it goes, if there's, if everything is okay, if it is returning the correct type of data. Uh, yeah. So in practice, I think this is not quite uh, an easy job, but still it, it is quite um, manageable. Okay. Is there any other issues that you, you found? No, as I know, because currently it's running quite smoothly from the uh, a concept of view. So the, the whole concept is working quite smoothly. Now, for your company, like who usually manages the changes for your configuration? Is it actually a tech guy or is it a business guy? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question too. I think ideally we should uh, empower the business guy to man- maintain those configurations. And yeah, that is the reason we want to introduce authorization, right? Um, but at this moment, uh, it's all the responsibility of the developers to change the the, uh, the configuration. Yeah, that's um, I think it, uh, <laughs> that's because of the implementation. We currently implement the editor as uh, just a, a raw code editor. So the uh, businessman is not able to to maintain it correctly. So uh, every time they want to have some changes, they will change to out reach out to us to change the configuration. And uh, interestingly. We have another solution of configuration. It's a totally different. It's using a um, quite a major solution. It's called DML rules. It's like, uh, uh, I think it, it's quite uh, descriptive. DML rules can, uh, you can uh, have some XML to describe your rules. You have your input, your output. The rules, you describe your rules in, in an XML way and, uh, uh, the server can, there's a service. You can receive the input parameters and you check the XML rules and you return back the output parameters. It's, it's kind, you can achieve, uh, reach out to, to this server using HTTP call or RPC call, whatever. And, and you receive back the, uh, the data and, uh, it's quite type a conventional way. And what do we do uh, about this service is to have Excel, online Excel, the spreadsheet to uh, represent the rules. And the business men, they are able to update the sheet and we will automatically update the business rules on GitHub. So it sounds like they, the business men, they can change the uh, spreadsheet, right? However, as time goes by, the spreadsheet is getting bigger and bigger. And uh, nobody, I, I, I think nobody can understand it, the, uh, exactly that spreadsheet logic. There's too many fields, too many columns on it. And um, um, it's created by the uh, developers. And at the last, uh, it can only maintain it by the developers. We hope it can, we hope that it can be uh, handed to the operation team. However, it became too complex for them to maintain. So eventually, 
their responsibilities shift to shift back to the uh, engineering team. Well, you don't find, uh, mm, I know you, I'm, it seems like you really enjoy this method and you guys really like it, but you don't feel like there's more complexity than just doing some simple YAML change or something like that, or, or I don't know, like you don't feel that going like another route may be better at some point. I mean, do you guys really think that this is really the best for, for your, so for your, your unique problem? Yeah. I think it depends. We don't against the, the method of YAML. I think that's a good way. However, I think it depends on how frequent uh, the change of the uh, configurations. Let's say um, if that configuration will change uh, maybe every three days, right? So yeah, maybe um, change a uh, YAML and deploy it. It could be uh, one minute job. However, the cost is that the, as a developer, you have to stop the work you are counting on and switch your focus from the work to this deployment and to make sure that everything is working. And, um, yeah, so, so I'll go. The first is to avoid uh, any deployment if the, if the, the change is too frequent. And the, if it is not so frequent, we are okay to accept uh, the YAML file because that maybe happened once per month. That's okay. And well, how often are you guys actually deploying code as it is? Are you guys doing like a continuous integration or are you guys doing, yeah, like once a week or once a month kind of deployments? I'm kind of curious about that part because at least for me, and I think a lot more people these days are doing CI continuous integration. So they're deploying several times a day, right? Uh, Yes, Uh, we are doing the same. So, So in general, I mean, like even if you're changing it several times a day, you may be deploying several times a day. So it could just be, okay, wait for the next deployment, right? No, I think uh, we try to separate the, the different features into different deployments. So uh, maybe uh, it's quite dynamic, actually. So uh, in some days, we shipped uh, several times a day. And in s- sometimes we uh, had a one shipment only one week. That happens. So uh, it depends on the requirements and the release plan. So um, it's... It's quite not feasible to schedule those configuration changes into uh, the existing release plan. Okay, I see. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty interesting solution. I mean, I never thought about doing something like this, but yeah, I mean, I think the benefits are it's very, very fast, right, compared to like pulling the data at runtime now? Yes, I think uh, it's quite fast because two things. First, uh, we avoid uh, any RPC or HTTP core from the servers to a central configuration center. Second, we compile the code, string code into Elixir modules that is five times faster than uh, the evil string. Um, so uh, I think uh, there are only 1% of uh, performance penalty against uh, you write your own Elixir code to handle that function. To me, it is uh, quite acceptable. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, is there, how do I say this? What's kind of the, the next big feature you guys are looking at releasing for Formula? Oh, yes, there's a lot of to-dos on the server side, Formula server. And today it's only a very basic of uh, CRUD. You, you can create and modify the, uh, the code. However, we want it to be uh, very easy and safe to modify the code. And uh, we want to make the uh, editing experience to uh, be better. 
Right now, it's uh, only a code editor. So you copy, paste, uh, or edit the Elixir code in that text box, and we do some basic validation of Elixir code. It's quite interesting. Uh, we just picked up the Elixir as the DSL language. Uh, we use Elixir to describe uh, the business rule, and it will come back to the server as the same code, almost the same code. And it's very descriptive, and it's very interesting. However, uh, we, we have very basic version of the editor. So uh, to me, I think uh, managing an, a rule or a configuration in Elixir is another big domain. So uh, let's say we have other machines to handle the rules, right? We have different input and we will uh, return different output that we can use other machine to do them. However, those is the kind of um, the abstract. We can uh, do some more layers upon, upon the, the, the basic idea. We can turn the uh, pattern matches into different uh, ideas of branches of configuration. And each branch can have some condition, the input, and the output the result. So we can do a lot of um, different uh, more layers of abstracting on, in this domain. And uh, yeah, we see that there's a lot of opportunities to improve the, uh, the management of the configurations to make it um, more usable and more secure. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you have some pretty cool, pretty uh, interesting features coming out. I may be looking at this in the future, but I don't know. I have my doubts. I think I need to see some see some more action, right? And see what the server's like and how much effort it requires from my side. But I, I, of course, I do like the ideas. I mean, I, I love the idea of using Elixir code. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be, could be good. I don't know. I'm holding back to say yes for sure, but seems pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yes. That uh, At the beginning, we don't know how it, how it works. And yeah, right now, the concept uh, just works well. And there are some, as you said, there are issues. And uh, the third thing is very fun to play with. And uh, the most fun thing here, I think, uh, is that they describe the business rules using raw Elixir code. And it's more fun than any other DSL language, like JSON, XML, to describe something. It's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is pretty cool. Is there anything else you'd like us for us to know about Formula or anything else that's on your mind? Mm, at this moment, I don't have anything uh, special because I think uh, we will have more sense about it when this, the Formula server comes out because that, that is the, uh, the whole thing, the, uh, the primary idea of the solution. So we are see at, the, at that time. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing else. And I think, you know, I, I learned about something new and never even thought about this. So I really appreciate you bringing us up to, to me. And you got me thinking about, about this now to see if this is a good idea or not. So it's definitely <laughs> interesting stuff. It's uh, definitely a good idea here. And uh, I, I want to ex- express my uh, um, pleasure here. And I, I was always a fan of uh, your podcast. And I'm also a big fan of the uh, the book, The Dream Developer's Job, maybe I'm not wrong about the name, but that book helped me a lot finding a, a good Elixir job, actually. 
Yeah. So I hope you're not confusing me with uh, with Chuck, who wrote that book. You're not confusing me with Chuck, are you? Or are you just saying because I know Chuck used to be uh, used to be hosting on here, right? So I I personally did not write that book, but yeah, that one's called the uh, Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Isn't that right? Yes. I think I own that book, but I never read it. Yeah, yeah, I own that book, but I never read it. It's good, right? Yeah, it's pretty good, and it's very. Uh, useful one is especially you are using elixir because the uh the, the market is quite different than the, any other language so uh, a lot of the uh, the solutions the suggestion in the book is really working well for you okay yeah i think i've i don't think i heard too much about the book but i'm glad to hear that you you like it and like i said i know i bought the book i just haven't read it yet so maybe i'll actually crack it open sometime soon then if you say it's good <laughs> okay Okay, if there's nothing else, then I think we can start to move over to picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So uh, because you're the guest, I don't know if you have a pick yet, but for me, I have a pick. For me, I pick. I just recently changed backpacks, so I plan to go back to U.S. for about a month and a half. If there's anybody listening in the audience who'd like to, maybe I want to say hook up, but that sounds not correct word. But whoever wants to, you know, meet up when I'm there, just let me know. I haven't planned my trip out yet. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, Alan Wyma, A L L E N W Y M A. Just at me or send me a DM. And yeah, uh, anyways, so I plan to go back and I bought a new backpack and it's a GoPro backpack. I just also bought a couple of GoPros. I'm planning to probably vlog my way around US and kind of travel around and see what's there. And so I thought, why not choose a GoPro? It looks pretty good quality and uh, small, easy to carry, this kind of stuff. So uh, forcing me to carry it around. So I got the GoPro backpack because my backpack is falling apart. I switched to it today and I'm very happy with it. So uh, it's the GoPro Day Tripper. I also got the Weekender coming in the mail too because I find this one's a little bit too small, but I think still pretty decent for most things. So that's my pick. You have any pick for yourself there, Q? Oh yeah, this part is quite hard for me because I I, I had a I have a bad memory about almost everything. So I I just did uh, something and uh, read something and uh, it became part of my memory. But I I will forget forget what I have read or what I have seen. But hopefully I I get some backs some idea of backs from my uh, memory. So uh, I would like to pick some books I have read about the systems i am always a fan of the system the uh, systems so that the, i would like to recommend three books about systems the first one is the out of control it's quite old but it's really really uh, an amazing book by kevin kelly it's called out of control the new biology biology of machines social systems and uh, the economic world and the second book about system I like is Thinking in Systems by Donald H. Meadows. Right. And the third book about systems is in the System Bible, The Beginner's Guide to Systems Larger and Small by John Gow. I'm still reading those books. So it's, it's quite interesting. And I'm from off time to time and read them and uh, get new ideas, new learning from those books. They, those are great titles. 
Okay, thank you for that. I'm glad you picked books. I love books. I just wish I had more time to read. And with that, I will say that this is the end of our episode. I really thank you again, Q, for joining us. And uh, maybe we'll have you back again soon once we have that server piece written up because I would love to see how that works. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. See you guys. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.